Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up, Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I am the founder of TB Media Group, but you can also just call me your health and wellness matchmaker. Before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Again, it's under TB Media Group or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to see you there. But today you're going to meet Rosemary Carrera. She is a breast cancer survivor, a mom, a wife, an optometrist. She's got an incredible story, but because of her experiences, she's created a beautiful nonprofit that is helping so many people. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want, it is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. So today I am joined by Rosemary Carrera, a truly incredible woman who I'm really excited to learn more about. She is a mom, she is an optometrist, and she is also the president of 305 Pink Pack. Rosemary, I'm so excited to learn more about you, um, but thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> so let's start with talking about you. I want to learn all about you and what you do now. So I am an optometrist. I've been an optometrist for the past 15 years. Yesterday was actually my graduation day anniversary. And uh, when I graduated, I took over my family's practice here in Miami that my grandfather started back in 1971. So that was wow. really exciting because it was, um, my whole family works there. So it was, a, it was beautiful to be able to continue with the next generation and seeing patients that had been treated by my grandfather and now I'm seeing those patients' grandchildren. So it's a really beautiful community that we had established there. At the age of 40, I had my birthday present was my little girl. She was born two days after I turned 40 and that was absolutely incredible. Aww. And a few months after that, um, I had my first routine mammogram and was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. I had no symptoms, never felt a lump, nothing, and I ended up with four tumors on one breast. So it was quite shocking. It was um, terrifying, and um, it was one of those things that your life changes in the matter of seconds, and you have to make a lot of really important decisions in a really short amount of time. So. My family and my friends were absolutely incredible during this and completely took over my life. So they took care of everything as far as childcare, meals, housekeeping, everything. So all I had to worry about was eating and sleeping. And on some days it was even impossible to do that. And throughout my journey, I met other women who were not in the same position that I was and did not have that local community to support them. And we were, searching for local resources to assist them during their treatment and we really couldn't find anything. It's interesting because when you go out of South Florida, there are so many resources in the community available for this specifically and here they just don't exist. So we decided to start it. My sister and I, my sister who is my greatest cheerleader, uh, we decided to start the 305 Pink Pack and what we do is that we provide free services for women in Miami-Dade 
who are going through active cancer treatment. So whether it's post-surgical chemotherapy or radiation, uh, we are here to assist them with activities such as housekeeping, transportation to and from appointments, transportation for their children to school because you can't drive right after surgery for a good six weeks. And uh, we offer them support, mentoring, um, and a number of other services that we, that we provide at no cost. We offer this to any woman with any cancer diagnosis. It's not just for breast cancer. And we don't have any kind of financial requirement to receive our services because cancer is a huge financial burden. And even though you may have an emergency fund on the side, in my case, it's been a year and a half that I haven't been able to work and you really can't expect and save up for an occurrence like that. So we don't have a financial requirement for our services. We're here to help any woman who needs. In what span of time? So two days after your 40th birthday, mm -hmm. you have your daughter. And then how long after it is that you find out you have stage two breast cancer? So it was seven months after seven uh, months. I was diagnosed. And then at the eight month point is when everything started happening. So. At that point, when she was eight months old, I started with the MRIs and our uh, scheduling of surgeries. As after surgery, I found out that I needed chemo, and then after chemo, I found out I needed radiation and had a hysterectomy in between. So there wasn't a lot of time to really stop and think and process what was happening. That all comes later on. And one of the things that we do as part of our organization is that we offer mentoring to women so they can expect these things from happening. Just because you're done with your treatment doesn't mean you're done with the process because you're in this routine of constant decision-making, constant running to appointments, nonstop, and then all of a sudden everything stops. And right. the process of grieving begins. You have to grieve your body that is no longer the same. You have to grieve your relationships. They're no longer the same. For me, I had to grieve that I missed out on a lot with my daughter. I missed her first steps. I missed her first word. And fortunately, she was in the best hands possible with my parents and my in-laws. But there's a lot that happens that you miss. That's what I was going to ask you. Um, as far as being a new mom, how did this experience change that for you or impact um, that experience for you? Mm -hmm. It was really hard because that moment when you're just starting to really enjoy it because you're sleeping a little more and not stressing out about the, the little things as much, um, it was all taken away all of a sudden. And something I had to worry about something else to ensure that I could be here for the next big things for her. I also couldn't even carry her because I couldn't risk her hitting my breasts. At that age, they don't understand that they can't do that. Uh, when I had drains in, all she wanted to do was reach for the drains and she can't pull those out. <laughs> those need to be in there for a while. And even with my port, she was really intrigued by my port and always wanted to be poking and touching at it. So you have to be extra careful and you can't have as much physical contact as you'd like to have, which is really hard not to be able to hold your child. Right. I can't imagine. So for those who have never been through it, right, because a lot of us um, have not been through the experience of getting a cancer diagnosis or going through surgery or going through chemo or radiation, can you explain what your body goes through uh, physically, mentally, um, and, and what that experience is like? Sure. 
Um, I think the main thing to remember is that everyone's experience is very different and the effects that they get from chemo, radiation or surgery are all extremely different. In my case, uh, because of my age and the aggressive nature of my cancer, we decided to go with a double mastectomy. So I lost both my breasts, nipple, everything um, in the span of a few days. So that is really hard to accept, but at the same time, you don't have an opportunity to even consider it because you're now being told that you have to take the next step and start chemo. So chemo for me was uh, rough because I always relied very much on my memory and my ability to do math and my ability to have proper speech and all of those things were very much affected. Uh, I lost my ability to speak Spanish completely when I've always been perfectly bilingual and even now I still struggle quite a bit. In English, I still struggle quite a bit with, uh, with, with words. Um, I get lost when I speak sometimes still, get very, uh, I, I just can't find the right words like right now. <laughs> uh, I still become very disoriented when driving. Um, I'm sure you've heard of placenta brain or baby brain. Mm-hmm. Chemo brain is 10 times worse. So you forget things as you're doing them. You forget words, you forget what you're looking at. You get disoriented when you're driving. The first time I became disoriented, driving was really scary because I didn't know that was a potential side effect. I didn't, I had never heard of that. And so um, I became very, very lost. I had to pull over, call my husband. I said, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. And from then on and to this day, anytime I go out, the GPS is on in my car. He knows exactly where I'm going and where I am at all times because I never know when it's going to happen. It happens less and less as time goes by, but I'm, I'm over a year out from chemo and I still get it. Next for me came a hysterectomy. And with the hysterectomy, I'm 40 years old and all of a sudden I'm going through menopause and it's not a gradual menopause. It's from one day to the next. You start with the hot flashes, the mood swings, anxiety. And I've actually been seeing a therapist who specializes in patients who have gone through cancer treatment because these are very, these are things that are very specific to this community. And we have to be able to talk to someone who understands and we have to be able to talk about it. Next for me was radiation. And of all things during my treatment, radiation is what scared me the most because I have very sensitive skin. And with radiation, you never know how bad it's going to get until you're going through it. Chemo is easier in the sense that you have your different rounds of chemo. So the first time you do your first round, it's the same pretty much every time after that. Some of the effects are a little bit more cumulative, like um, fatigue but I would schedule my life around my good days and bad days from chemo. So I knew exactly how that was gonna work. Radiation, on the other hand, it was just this constant fear of how badly am I gonna burn? How bad is this gonna get? How You see a lot of varying degrees of it. And as much as you can prepare for it, as far as lubricating, drinking plenty of water, everyone's body's differently and reacts very differently to the treatment. So you don't know until you're going through it how it's gonna be. So it's a right. lot. Yeah. So it sounds like you had, during this time, a support system who's now helping you with your newborn. Kind of talk through some of the the basic things that maybe we wouldn't even think of that would be Mm -hmm. difficult um, to to manage in a situation like this that you were so grateful to help have the help with. 
Sure. My my support system was absolutely incredible, and to this day, they still are amazing and come to my aid every any second that I say. After surgery, I needed help for everything. I couldn't wipe myself when I went to the bathroom. I couldn't brush my own teeth. I couldn't bathe myself uh, because I couldn't lift my hands beyond this point. So I couldn't get to anything. So my mom, my sister, my husband would help me bathe on a daily basis. They brushed my hair and brushed my teeth for me. Um, sleeping and getting out of bed. I, I had a recliner that I borrowed from a friend because those first few days you can't even get up from a lying position on your own. So while my husband was at work, my mom or my sister were here to help me out with everything because I couldn't even reach for a glass. Because they had to remove so much of my breast tissue, my skin became very, very contracted. And so I had Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. I had, I was, everything was here. And so if if something wasn't in my immediate reach, I couldn't go for it. So that was just right after surgery. Um, During chemo, uh, I needed assistance with driving, uh, cleaning the house, and cleaning with items that were uh, as light as possible because you lose even your nose hairs. So the slightest smell would make you sick. I'm a big fan of Windex. I love Windex. Everything in my house, my house gets cleaned with Windex. I couldn't be anywhere near it. So something as simple as that, which I didn't expect, um, was causing problems. But my family and friends did everything else as far as coming and helping me clean up, uh, doing laundry for me, taking care of my daughter. My parents and my in-laws would swap every couple of days. So she'd be at one house one day, one every, every few days and then the other and then they'd bring her over for visits every couple of days as well so she'd be here a few hours with me even if I couldn't directly play with her at least we were interacting it's really really hard to answer the phone and have a conversation with someone when you're going through this because you're exhausted most of the time but a text message is fantastic because you can respond to that whenever you feel up for it so I would get a lot of text messages just knowing that people were thinking of me and and sending me love So at what point did the idea for 305 Pink Pack come from? What triggered that? So the idea from, uh, for 305 Pink Pack came from uh, a woman named Angela. She is in our video, if you, our introduction video, if you've seen that. She had just moved to Miami, and she posted on the Miami Moms Facebook group that she had just been diagnosed with cancer, and she didn't have anyone here as far as family or friends um, and needed to really get some help as far as wigs are concerned or how to get her kids' transportation to and from school since she wasn't going to be able to drive after surgery. And so I reached out to her and I said, hey, uh, I don't know about any of these things, if these exist, but I'll help you look and I'm here for you, whatever you need. And so we met that way. And uh, I met up with her at the hospital right before she had her first chemo session and we've become really great friends. But we were searching endlessly for things that could help her during her process and unfortunately we weren't able to find any local organizations that provided these services and so she actually had to fly people in from around the country at a, a week at a time to come and, and provide her assistance with childcare, uh, meals, oh. housekeeping because her husband worked long hours and wasn't able to be home all day long and her kids still needed to get to school one way or another so right. she was our inspiration. 
So what steps did you start taking? Like, how did this start to form once you realized, hey, this is, there's a need for this in this community mm-hmm. and it's not being met? When I was first diagnosed, my sister reached out to some friends of hers who had gone through a cancer diagnosis as well. And we all started talking and found that we all had the same issues or we felt the same concerns about going through cancer treatment. There's a lot of money that goes into research, which is great. That's why we're all still here. But there really needs to be some funding that goes into women going through the process for these resources. And so we wanted to sit down and say, okay, what are the things that are most important while you're going through treatment? One was transportation, making sure that you can get there. For a woman who has a spouse or family or or community here that can take her, that's fantastic. But for the single mom, for example, who may not have an extended community or everybody works and you just have no way of getting to an appointment when you can't drive, what do you do? So we decided transportation was key. Using Angela as an example, we said, well, we need to be able to have transportation available for kids for when your mom can't drive you to and from school. And if there's nobody else around to help her out with that, we're here. And then housekeeping. When you just had surgery or you're going through chemo, you, you just don't have the strength to do any of that. And it's really difficult to feel well when your house is not kept clean. The last thing that you want to do when you get home after treatment is clean up, but seeing that your house isn't kept up is mentally exhausting. We were connected with people who had gone through a cancer diagnosis, and these strangers that just reached out to give us advice became very good friends. And so we decided that mentoring was really important. So what we do is that we team you up with one of our members who has either a similar cancer diagnosis or who has been treated in the same hospital as you to kind of guide you through the process and guide you through the hospital aspect of it because there are a lot of things that your treatment center provides that you may not even be aware of. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I was given pamphlets and flyers and all these things. I never looked at any of that because I just couldn't. I didn't have the mental capacity to even read at that point. And so there were so many services that I never even was able to take advantage of because I had no idea. So now looking back, I was like, wow, it would have been really nice to go to a yoga class while I was waiting, you know, a few hours in between appointments. Or it would have been really nice to speak to a dietitian who could tell me what foods would be best after surgery to help me heal. So we want to make sure that they know that all these things are available to them at their treatment center. And the hospitals have, they do such a great job of treating the patient and navigating the patient but when we're there we have too much going on to even hear what we're being told that's why you always need a second second pair of ears there with you and just someone to be able to tell you hey there's this available there's this if you need this we've got this absolutely so tell me where you are now. I know you're you're fairly young. You mentioned that you organized in October of 2019 and you got the mm-hmm. 501c3 this January. So mm-hmm. congratulations Thank on you. that. <laughs> so kind of give me the p- full picture as far as, you know, who you're helping, how you're making it happen. 
Well, we were really excited at the beginning of the year because we had gotten a lot of support from family and friends to really get the program started in January. And we had programmed a few fundraisers for March, April, and May. And as you can imagine, those were not, not, not able to happen. But um, the support that we received from the people that we already know has been huge and they've really helped us get through this time. Uh, and we've been able to provide assistance to, to date, I believe we have 22 women enrolled in the program. And every week we're getting new calls. Today I have three women who have contacted me already and uh, we're waiting to speak to them and get their information so we can get them started too. And so we're always looking for uh, more assistance as far as funding goes and more sponsorships. And we're finding that help comes. For example, we had a, an incredible donation from Ilo Gear, which is a local uh, costume designer. She does all the um, dance costumes for the local companies. And she donated 60 masks to us that could be reused by inserting your N95 inside. And so what we did is that we went out into the community and distributed them to all of our clients and their families because we wanted to make sure that if they're going into the hospital, they have what they need. And from that day, we posted that that's what we were doing. We received quite a bit of fundraising that day. So without even really making it a specific fundraiser, it turned into yeah. one. We received a, a very generous grant from the Coral Gables Community Foundation and we are extremely excited about that. So we'll be working with them for the next year, which is wonderful. And we're continuing to apply for grants and trying to find and funding where we can and getting creative to, to get funding. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on the grant. Thank um, you. You mentioned the masks. Are you finding that since coronavirus, COVID-19, we've all been living through this, um, that the need for those that you serve is a little bit different now? I think people understand a little bit more why there's a need there. Um, what you're feeling during this time, that fear of getting sick, that making sure that everything is clean, making sure you're wearing gloves and masks when you go out, that's what we go through when we're in treatment. We can't get sick in treatment. We can't catch a cold. We can't get a stomach bug because then that prevents us from getting treatment. So that anxiety that everyone's feeling now is how we felt during treatment. So you can imagine someone going through treatment during this time of a pandemic, how stressful and how difficult that has to be for them. In particular, it takes a village to go through a cancer diagnosis. So at each of my appointments, I had five or six people there with me. And right now, all these people going through treatment have to go in alone. So you're going in completely alone to all your doctor's appointments. There's no one there to take notes for you. There's no one there to ask questions for you. That has to be extremely, extremely difficult. Can you kind of go through um, maybe an example or just how you've helped some of the, the members that you're helping? So one of our very first members, is, she is a single mom of two boys, works full time, and she had to go through her a surgery and radiation afterwards. She doesn't drive, she doesn't have a car because she lives very close to where she works, so she walks every day. And her treatment center was a good uh, 20, 25 minute drive from where she is. 
So without transportation, she would either have to pay for an Uber um, or she would have to take the bus. The bus would take her an hour and a half to do a 20, 25 minute trip. The Uber would cost her about $25 a trip. So going to and from the hospital would cost her an additional $50 a day on top of all her co-pays and all her deductibles that she was paying for and not getting a full income because she had to stop working. So in addition to losing income because of what you have to go through, you now have the added expense. And so we were able to assist her with that. So we took away at least one stressor in her life so she could focus on healing. Because that's what that's where your mind needs to be and that's where your focus needs to be is on is on getting better. Exactly. What makes you the most proud or what is the most rewarding for you about starting 305 Pink Pack and, you know, what you've accomplished to date? As an optometrist, I worked a lot with um, people who were low vision or visually visually impaired. And so we'd sit and we'd talk about their needs and how we could help and how we could make a difference in their life. And with these women, as we go through the process with them, we want to make sure that they aren't alone. And we give them an ear, we give them support, we give them someone to vent to. And the most rewarding thing about all this is when they tell me, as soon as I'm done, I want to help you. I want to be part of your organization. And that to me says, well, we're doing something right. <laughs> so that's really exciting. So if somebody wants to, you know, is go- receive that diagnosis or is going through treatment, um, you know, is learning about you, how do they get in touch? How do they become a member? So they can apply at 305pinkpack.org. Uh, we can, we need a letter from their doctor indicating their diagnosis, and then we'll be in touch within 24 hours and get them going on whatever they need. Awesome. So I imagine that you are just helping a fraction of the people who could really use your help right now. And I know you want to expand that reach. What would be most helpful to 305 Pink Pack right now? If someone's watching this and they want to give, they want to help, what's the best way for them to help? So the best way for someone to help us right now is with funding, primarily transportation and housekeeping. Those are our our two greatest expenses. And 100% of donations goes directly to pay for these services. I don't take a salary. None of our volunteers have a salary and our overhead is minimal. So everything goes to help. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, these, you know, the, the members that you help, their expenses are greater, but most of the time their income is now less because they can't work. So there's an added strain there. And that's beautiful what you're doing. Obviously, this is like, you know, your labor of love and 100% of everything that you're bringing in is going to help other people just like you. Exactly. (laughs) Is there anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't ask you? We want to be able to organize your team. So whether you're a, a woman who has all the support you need in the world or not, We want to come in and organize your support team. So we will tell them how to best help you. If you don't tell them how to best help you, you're going to end up with a lot of bracelets and a lot of socks that you don't need. So we will be sure to get your team organized so that they can help you as much as possible during this journey. 
I love that. And mm-hmm. anyone can go ahead and find more. I believe you mentioned at 305pinkpack.org. Yes. And we're also the- on Instagram and on Facebook. Awesome. I'll be sure to link below to all of that information below in the show notes that, so that you can reach out to Rosemary and, um, you know, or give to 305 Pink Pack. They're doing incredible work. So all of that will be below in the show notes. Thank you so much, Rosemary. I really enjoyed hearing your story. You are a fighter. You are an incredible, strong woman. And um, what you're doing is really beautiful. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. I truly loved hearing Rosemary's story. It's an impactful one, it's an important one. And I truly think all of us who want to make a difference in this world have a why. And her why is so clear and she's helping so many other people because of it. So I I hope you, you know, go ahead and and find her information below, connect with her and, you know, give to this beautiful organization because they're really going to help a lot of people. You never know when you'll be impacted by cancer. We can't predict that. Maybe you currently are and you can use their services right now, Um, but it always pays to pay it forward. So I really enjoyed meeting her. I hope you liked her story. So please go ahead and connect with her. Until next time, I thank you for joining us. And again, don't forget to hit subscribe on YouTube and connect with me on LinkedIn and leave me a review. I'd love to hear what you think. It helps me improve the show and also helps more people find this show. So until next time, stay happy and stay healthy.